Peek-A-Moose restaurant on State Road 28 in Big Indian with farm-to-table cuisine Thursday through Monday. Indoor dining from 4 to 9 p.m. Takeout till 10. Peekamoose.com or 845-254-6500. 845-254-6500. I'm Dennison. I host Through the Looking Glass, where I discuss issues of culture, politics, and the environment with a little music on the side. Monday morning, 9 to 10, right here on WIOX Roxbury Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM, MTC Cable Channel 20, and WIOXradio.org. Good evening. You're listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20, 107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi, and everywhere at WIOXradio.org, on computers or smartphones, and also with the Radio Garden phone app. This is From the Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., we talk about a different forest-related topic. Usually with Ryan and John, but today we got John Zane and a familiar voice because it's the third Wednesday, every third Wednesday of the month, we have on Mr. Gary Mead. Peace. Hey, Gary. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> so, uh, Gary, what have you been up to? Oh, just working on the, well, the building here and there, but mostly just uh, selling off inventory at the mill, getting ready to you know relocate. What kind of stuff are you looking to unload? Uh, I have 250,000 board foot of inventory of all local species, and, you know, it's, we're just trying to organize it pretty much now for, for, you know, my whole career down there. If I saw something special, I'd throw it in the building, and, you know, there's rows and rows of it, and we're just starting to pull out. My main focus now is I've tried 
peak for a company and gardener for 17 years and I have about 20,000 board feet of reclaimed teak and which makes waincoting and I mean there's squares I mean all the pallets they send up to us with the teak on it that they use for their furniture was uh, all the were made out of teak purple heart I got some rosewood in there I didn't get a lot of rosewood but it's you know 95% teak and there's just different you know uh, until most of it's gray looking or whatever and you know if I take a particular piece and it's heavier than I mean teak's pretty heavy but if it's heavier than than what I'm handling I'll throw it through the planer and I mean I've come up with cocobola and teak and I mean uh, rosewood and just amazing what they throw into a pallet but you know it's the same thing here we use oak and ash and maple and cherry and pallets and yeah and, you know people take them apart and build cabinets and you know they they slice the cans for the pallets and uh, basically you know when I saw the heart of it I mean they just nominally take a six by six or a four by six and they just put it through a you know, and, and slice three-quarter inch boards for pallet tops, and there's still good wood in that. I mean, there's, there's, there's uh, you know, it, you could take a 10-foot board and probably five foot of it's, you know, beautiful wood. So, you know, uh, pallets, uh, the only problem with them is the, the, the nails they use in them are, are very tough to get out especially once they rust and the teak is an acid wood and you know when they ship them over in the containers it's you know it's it's 100 degrees when it leaves it comes to a 20 below zero and going across the ocean it sweats and and that uh but one winter we were really slow at the mill and i think for about three weeks it might have been a whole month all we did was we dismantled pallets like, wow four hours a day every day because we didn't have the say you know what I think I'll have these guys instead of laying them off we'll, we'll take the pallets apart and we got a bucket and a half of five gallon bucket and a half of nails out of pallets we took apart <laughs> <laughs> wow. and that's a lot of nails and we learned uh, uh, you know an easier way as we went along we were trying to pull them out from the top and then we realized sawzall cut the nail and then you know pull it out of the, the runner and then pull it out of the top with uh, uh, getting it because if you raise the board a little bit and cut it flat to the top you still have a shoulder in the, the runner board which was usually a five or a six quarter and actually they use five and six quarter boards for the tops too that's some beautiful stuff it's you know it's got sap and piss in it but you know, I'm looking to, you know, wholesale it at ten dollars a board foot, and it sells for up to twenty-five to thirty out on the market. And reclaimed is—I have some selects that I have there, but I don't have that much of that. You know, I bought a little bit here and there just to have, and and uh, it's worth more than less than the reclaimed for some reason. You know, if you research, and because I've been doing a lot of research and. Yeah, I'm not a marketing salesman or any of that, and it's just it's very painful for me to go through this. And and uh, you know, if there's anybody out there that wants to, you know, you know, make some 
serious money, really, in the next year or so that's good at marketing, I mean, you can come on board and, you know, we'll talk percentage and let's unload this stuff. Because I just want to make furniture. That's my thing. I just want to, you know, carve wood and the computer and the laptop. And it's 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 just not fun. <laughs> it's a lot like work. Well, you know, working wood is work too, but it's a different kind of work because it's a, uh, I know it better. And when you're trying to do something you don't know that well, and... I can spend an hour or two trying to figure something out on the computer and I push the wrong button and, you know, an hour or two is like just vanished. And you can't even find it or get it back. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> but I know people that that doesn't happen to. And if it did, they'd be able to retrieve it. But that's not me. But we're talking about the hemlocks tonight, which is, uh, it's a very... For my whole career, it was probably the most underappreciated species of wood that, in the mountains here because uh, I don't – and that was just because of price because hemlock doesn't uh, – it's only hemlock. I heard it for years and years and years and, and – it, it built our whole community. Our houses and barns pre-60 were, everything was hemlock, our tanning industry. And I mean, uh, it, it's amazing it survived with all the use that, I mean, it was pulled and hauled and cut down for the bark and the wood wasn't used. And I mean, it's just uh, amazing that it survived. And it's it's a survivor, but, you know, this woolly adalgia or, uh, beetle that's going and uh you know i've heard about it up to 30 years ago and it just uh it seemed to be a very minor thing that <clears throat> you know you could fix and it kind of you know went away and and but now it's i don't know what's making it progress so fast and it might be the the, the warmer weather that we're experiencing you know in the I don't know, Gary. I mean, Hemlock Pulley does it. We had quite a cold winter last winter, and that's when I, I feel like it made the biggest jump last season in a Delaware County. Right, yeah. I don't think it's weather dependent. No, I don't think. Well, we always hope, and we, we hope that it's going to kill the ticks, and we hope, you know, winter is going to kill a lot of things. But, <laughs> you know, uh, I wish we had the immunity of insects, <laughs> humans, because... I mean, it seems like every little thing's trying to take us out, and these insects, the more you spray them, the stronger they get. They they find ways to overcome all that. But there are ways that, you know, I heard back from 30 years ago, and I'm not sure what they used on them, but they smothered. If they seen it on the on the tree, they would put a dust or a spray, and what it would do is it would just smother the the a certain time of year too. So what I think what it maybe just it was sprayed dull. it when the larvae was you know you know uh, the larvae season and you know it would uh, uh, not give it oxygen so it had to die. So maybe horticultural oil. Yeah, something. I don't know exactly. It was thirty years ago, and I just heard about it, and and it was nothing to be concerned with. But you know, last couple of years, 
it's definitely something to be concerned with because you know it's it's spreading fast and you know our hemlocks are they're such an awesome tree i did a piece of work in a gallery that actually i sold it to frank gould and it's up in millbrook and his house mother and child and that was my it was a like 360 hours in a year and a half you know while i was running the mill i i put this thing together in this composition and it it come out fabulous one of the the you know premier pieces that ever went through my hands and it was my testament to hemlock and and to praise it and to say you know and i can't tell you I'm, there wasn't one person that didn't see that piece and they become enormously happy just because you know you just can't believe what you're looking at and you know I was blessed to be the messenger of that, and, and it went through my hands, and, you know, that was really none of my control. It's spiritual in my world that, you know, that you're chosen for certain things, and, you know, sometimes you say, oh, you know, why me? But anyway, when it's done, you say, oh, glad I'm glad I took that journey. That was awesome. <laughs> but, uh, what, what about Hemlock makes it uh, a good, work, good wood to work with for wood art? for lumber well it's not good it's good for lumber and framing it's too splintery for for countertops and i mean you can use it for paneling as far as furniture goes maybe the legs of a table but you have to have you know i've tried sawing up big logs and and making big slabs and you know, because I have live edge, you know, hickory and ash and beech and birch and red maple, red maple, uh, wormy maple, all that, and sycamore and and, but the hemlock it flakes. We always labeled it hem oak, because that's mainly what it was used for was framing and and also, uh, you know, beams and and you know the bark for tanning, and there's very little furniture that's made out of hemlock because it's flaky and it doesn't it it, it just doesn't it's it's not a furniture grade wood but it's an awesome wood and it we called it hem oak back in for my whole life because it it gets harder with age i mean some of these siding boards that are on these barns for you know 80 to 120 years you pull the board off and if if you don't nail through the hole where the where the, the the old nail was, you have to drill it because it's it bends like a piece of hardwood. And uh, soft maple is also one that gets harder with age. But anyway, the hemlock it it cures down. It's so strong and it's so it's weather resistant. Three foot up off the ground, within three foot. You know, if you run your siding all the way to the ground, you don't protect it from splatter that will rot off in about 20, 25 years at the bottom. And uh, so that's when you, you know, put black locust on the bottom and that'll last. But anyway, the, uh, you know, you see some of these old barns around here, the, the siding is, you know, 100 years outdoors in the weather. Are you kidding me? It's, it's beautiful, but it's very splintery. I mean, it's got deep pores in it, and it pith, it pits, you know, from the rain. It kind of takes a soft part out, and uh, 
And, uh, but I've never, uh, you know, I've used it for table legs here and there, but as far as countertops and anything you're going to be touching a lot, it, it, it just, uh, it's too splintery for, uh, for that. But it's, if, uh, I don't know if any of you folks are familiar with Cabin Hill, but I've been going to Walton to a chiropractor that for the last couple of years and go to do Andy's, you know, Palmer Hill and Cabin Hill. On the way back, as you're coming, oh, just above Shane Mosier's, maybe a mile or three quarters of a mile, uh, he's on the bottom there as you get into town. There's a hemlock forest. It's it's magical. It is so freaking beautiful that I just picture it in my mind, and it just it's like heaven on earth. I've I've never seen, and it it's just the the whole. It's a it's a it's a it's a mountain. It's a small mountain. I should actually find out the name of that mountain because all of them have names, but. You know, I'm not familiar with that. I know where they are, but I, it's like roads around here. I, I can get you anywhere you want to go, but <laughs> as soon as you ask me what where this road is, I I don't know. <laughs> you know yeah, it's I the, can drive you there, but I don't remember the names of it. It's that dome top to it. It's covered in hemlocks. You're coming down Palmer Hill before you get into Andes. You're looking no, this, out this towards is, Dingle Hill. No, this is on Cabin Hill coming back into Andes. Or that's what I meant. It's on, it's on right, Cabin right. Hill. Coming down in the Andes, you're looking out towards Dingle Hill yeah. in the background. It's on the right. That's right there. Yep, I know where you're talking. Oh, my God. Isn't that beautiful? <clears throat> it and is. And they're so perfect. And they're, it's all hemlock. I mean, there might be a red maple or something poking up here <laughs> there through it. But, you know, it's dominant. It's 90 95% hemlock. And, you know, I've, I've seen patches of it in the mountains. But, I mean, this whole mountain is just... And the trees are so stellar and so beautiful. And if I ever saw that disappear in my lifetime, I would cry. I would, it would make me cry. Well, this is the <laughs> one thing about hemlock that's, that's gorgeous about it. It tends to grow in pure stands. Right. So you walk into a hemlock stand, and the needles are so acidic when they lay on the They on keep the ground, anything else from they, sprouting. They keep a lot of other things from sprouting up. It has yeah. to be acid uh, um, tolerant. So. Yeah. Well, the oaks might kick up, but, you know, then you'll they see, get shaded out. So yeah, and you'll see not. some beech and other things, too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but the maples, they won't grow around hemlock much. You see a straggler maple here, excuse me, here and there and by hemlocks. but Black birch. Black that's, birch. That's a common one to sprout up through with. And hickory, yeah. they'll grow around that, too. But, you know, it's uh, some of the. Well, hemlocks, uh, one of the woods that you can look at the end of the log, because I check all my logs for hardware. The alkaline woods, they don't show up, but the acid woods, you know, the hickory, especially the red oak. Red oak is, uh, I mean, you could look at the end of the log, and if it has a black spot on it, there's hardware somewhere in there because it just oxidizes and turns black. How far will that travel up a log? It'll go... Oh, I don't know. When I debark them, they'll probably go two to three feet. Mm -hmm. But when I debark them, uh, when I didn't used to check them for hardware, I, I would debark them, and then you'd see black spots on the outside. 
you know, anywhere on a, a, a you know, 12 to 18 inch diameter log, if there were hardware in it, and when you debarked it and cleaned off everything, you would see that darkness. And uh, so, you know, back in the day, I, you know, I, I, I saw the side without the, you know, the spot in it. Maybe saw half the log and then, you know, take it out and, and uh, you know, make a beam or something out of one side of it. But yeah, it was tricky, and you hit. I mean, with these, like your mill, what are they, $27 a blade now or something? They yeah, used to be roughly. 12 12 And, you know, if you hit a nail with it, you just throw another blade on, no big deal. But I run a $350 blade, and when you destroy one of them, it just wrecks your day. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> it, it does. And they, you know, so... It, but, you know, the guy that sharpened them for me, and they're very expensive to send out and have sharpened and stretched and swedged. And, and uh, you know, I sent, you know, one of these out, I think 18, 22, maybe 24 teeth were stripped off the thing. And I sent it in, and he just, he sent it back with a note that, you know, it costs more to repair this than it would to just buy a new blade. So I immediately called him, and I said, well, please don't. Send them back to me. <laughs> just throw them out yourself. <laughs> throw them out of your place. I paid. <laughs> I paid to ship it out. Now I just paid to ship it back, and it's junk. I said, uh, you know, melt it. You know, because he must. The old saws they do go get sent out, and and they do re melt them and and make new blades out of them. I suppose it gets recycled somehow, but you know, it's uh, it's devastating enough to hear about. You know, your blade is no good. And to pay for to have it shipped back was uh, so he doesn't do that anymore. And some of them, if they crack, they get stress cracks in them, and he can weld those. But if they break clean through, because sometimes they, you know, if you don't, I've learned to hear when it, you can hear a crack when you're running the mill. You know, as loud as it is out there, it's a little ticking kind of sound. Isn't that sound a machinery operator? Well, yeah, he, he knows his machine. Yeah, you know exactly when something wrong and and what it is too. Yeah, and a actually, if after you've used it a while, because I'll jump on, you know, I go to other people's mills and that, and they say, you know, you know, just jump on the machine. Uh, but I don't know that machine. Right. I know my machines, and you know, you're on them for years and years, and 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 you run them for years, and you just learn every little different noise. It's probably something not so good. <laughs> so, mm hmm. Anyway, so these woolly adalgias up, um, uh, it's kind of a A-D-O-L-L. -L. No, A-D-E-L-G-I-D, adelgid. There's two L's and... Or two L's, sorry. Yeah. yeah. My spelling's not great. But anyway, <laughs> it's it's got tongue twister for me to say for some reason, but <clears throat> they're awful a... little pests. And so, you know, I was talking to John before the show, and... And, you know, you could probably, uh, can homeowners, like, go on and and, and get this spray and, and do it themselves if they have to hire somebody to do it? Is only certain people can get their hands on this uh, spray? Yeah. And yeah, so Gary's talking about, we were talking off the show about what do you do. He, he was he was asking us about hemlock woolly adelgid, the pest, the piercing, sucking insect that's uh 
killing hemlock trees. Right? Mm-hmm. It's in Delaware County. It's been in been in Ulster County and that in Sullivan County for a long time, and uh, really didn't find it much west of of Pine Hill area. Right. And really, the last two seasons, we've been finding it popping up more and more in the Delaware County area. So, anyway, Gary was asking, how do you treat it? Um, we do it. Catskill Forest Association does it. Ryan specifically. And uh, it's a basal bark spray, which means you spray the the bottom four feet or so of the um, of the stem of the tree. The trunk of the tree. Trunk yeah. of the tree with a backpack sprayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that spray absorbs the chemical absorbs through the bark, and the tree Into takes the cambrium, yeah. and the tree then takes it up systemically and spreads it through the whole um, whole crown. Right. And that insecticide this. This insect is piercing, sucking mouth parts into the needles. It's a piercing, sucking uh, <laughs> <son> of a gun. <laughs> got that right. And so when it feeds, it, uh, it kills it. Yeah. Um, what we use is <clears throat> is uh, got to be applied, got to be possessed by a licensed applicator. So right. not just anybody. You can't go to the hardware store and go get this. Okay, yeah. Um, and it's, you can... Um, yeah, it's got to be done by a licensed person. Yeah, and you said every four to six years. It depends. I mean, it really depends on infestation, right? Right. If it's uh, you know really, really heavy, really running rampant near you, and and the whole forest is under attack. Because that's the other thing. It's not something that you can you can spray all the trees. It's, you can't do that. Uh, one, uh, you know. Economically, it's not going to work out for you. It's costly. Environmentally, too. But environmentally is the bigger one. You can't, or ethically, you can't put that much chemical into the environment. So uh, there's a per acre maximum dose. And because hemlocks grow in such pure stands, uh, you need to to be effective. You got to put on, you know, apply a certain uh, amount Mm -hmm. per uh, diameter of stem. And we exceed that maximum stems per acre mm-hmm. uh quite quickly in a pure hemlock stand so it's just for the specimen trees the but biggest the best the oldest year apart you can do it many it, it, it's it actually kills it quite effectively mm-hmm. the woolly adelgid uh and it, it lasts a long time yeah many years um there's other pests to be worried about though uh, a longate hemlock scale that's a another um, another insect that's under attack of hemlock, and it's uh, harder to kill. So you can use. And what a, does that do? That's another uh, insect that uh, <clears throat> creates a hard scale under underneath the leaf. It's kind of like a brown, uh, very small. But that is also something that will siphon off nutrients from the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. it it doesn't really respond to the uh, dinotefuron, which is the chemical used to control. Hemlock woolly adelgid, so another chemical right. cocktail is uh, needed for that. Mm-hmm. But it tends to be less of an issue, less as uh, uh, visible as the. So how bad, you know, how widespread is that? Is that just something that just popped up? Last um, ten years, or I don't know. It's years? it's history. Honestly, I should have I should have uh, looked that up prior to the show. I don't know the year. <clears throat> like uh, Woolly Adelgid was introduced in the United States in the 1920s. It's been here That's a long. What you t- said it's been here a long time. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, only really uh, in certain areas been a, a major problem. Right. Um, but as far as the scale, I'm not sure. <clears throat> I'm not sure of that guy. Huh. But, so is. You don't see a lot of it in, in 
I haven't seen it personally in Delaware County. You haven't, okay. The scale, no, but Sullivan County, Ulster County, sure. Mm-hmm. And the trees that look the worst have them both. Mm-hmm. So they typically do have, have both pests at the same time. And it's just another stressor. And yeah. if there's other other problems as well, um, you know, like a droughty season, uh, some site work, like maybe uh, roadside ditching or changes in water, mm-hmm. routing, things like that. Those are more stressors. So when you build up these stresses in a tree, and eventually it's going to kill it. The, I mean, the good thing about <clears throat> excuse me, the good thing about a delegate is it takes up to ten years to kill the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really the tree's own stress response that that kills itself. Right. It, it just casts off that needle, trying to cast off the pest. Right. And once it's so widespread, it ends up casting off all of its needles. Yeah, once it crafts a crown, then it really gets compromised. Right. Yeah. Yeah, especially for hemlock, which is a very <coughs> drought-intolerant tree. Um, it cannot handle uh, low moisture, and that stresses it. Mm-hmm. And that just makes it susceptible, like John said, to pests. But, you know, years ago, when we first would... Uh, studying the hemlock we had a show on hemlock and i did research and you know a hemlock <laughs> seedling will stay alive for a hundred years while in a hardwood forest it grows up and goes away and then they grow it's it's pretty amazing it's uh, got an amazing the, longevity right thing that it's, it's just it wants to survive and it's just, just so hard to believe that yeah, Dr. Mike Kudish uh, <clears throat> wrote an article for CFA not too long ago, within the past few years. I'm sure he's listening now. He, he's probably looking it up what uh, yep. what, our, what, <laughs> what uh, uh, chapter that was in. But um, he wrote about um, the cyclicness of oak and hemlock <clears throat> and how they replace each other, mm-hmm. um, where hemlock's not very fire tolerant. Um, and oak is, right. but you you drive around now, like even now, just drive around and uh, it's really uh, um, noticeable in the Ulster County area. But there's a mid story in a lot of the the forest of hemlock, <clears throat> just slowly growing, waiting for that tree above it to die or yeah. or uh, something to happen to it to take its place, and that's how a hemlock stand you know will, will take over. Yeah, they're a patient tree, very mm-hmm. slow growing, and also uh, very shade tolerant. Probably one of the most shade tolerant trees out there um yeah, i've think, read that yeah. seedlings can survive under uh five less than five percent sunlight yeah just daylight for some reason they yeah. seem to get nourishment from so, uh, anyway we uh we should learn from them and it's just it, it's really bothersome that you know another tree is being taken out by some weird little creature that is you know smaller than a end of a toothpick and it's <laughs> it's so devastating you know but it's the numbers that, that get them you know and, and and very hard to they're very hard to manipulate and you know we're hoping for cold winters and this and that and maybe dry summers anything to kind of maybe make them go away but they seem to be more residual than the tree itself yeah i mean there are some there's some hope right um mark whitmore has got some um great research at a cornell with uh some uh natural parasites for the 
the Woolly Adelgid, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Some of those have been released, I believe, and uh, it'll become naturalized and is the hope, right? Yeah. And in the long run, in decades from now or centuries from now, it'll just be more cyclical or something the tree lives with. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're tuning in, this is From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., talk about a different forest-related topic. Uh, tonight we're going to talk – we're talking hemlock. Uh, we'll get back into more about hemlock and what Gary Mead does with hemlock and uh, all that um, just a second.
All right, little John Prine souvenirs. Uh, you're listening to From the Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., we talk about a different forest-related topic. And every third Wednesday, we talk with Gary Mead about a different tree species. And tonight is hemlock. So, uh, yeah, Gary, just a second ago off, uh, off there, you're talking about drying hemlock and really the lack thereof uh, a need to do so. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, because I've, well, back in... When I, like 20 years ago, we had saw a lot of hemlock. Um, you know, I had probably 100,000 board foot, you know, on hand at all times, you know, and two by and one by and all the different widths. And we never put anything in the kiln. It just was air dried. And, you know, then when, you know, as time went on and, you know, I had, you know, these hemlock orders that come in, somebody wanted to do, you know, uh, you know board and bad and, figure we hurry the process up a little and throw it in the kiln and it doesn't work it it's uh it doesn't like the heat and i come to find out in six weeks outside stickered it goes down to six eight ten percent and so it doesn't like the 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 kiln drying process doesn't want to be rushed it doesn't want to be rushed well uh, you know, oak don't like to be rushed, but oak is, uh, that won't dry outdoors in <laughs> six weeks. <laughs> no, maybe six years. <laughs> six years, yeah, <laughs> uh, especially in the two-by uh, form of it. But, you know, and even outdoors, oak oak likes heat and the condition of of so much moisture being taken out at a time. And, and you know, because, you know, when you air dry, you know, Lots of times before I, it would be six, eight weeks before I'd have room in the, in the kiln for, you know, and I was going to dry oak and it'd be out air drying. And, you know, all the top boards cupped and warped and twisted and honeycombed. And honeycomb, it really doesn't make the wood, <clears throat> it just makes it undesirable for furniture. But, you know, in pallets and all that, it really doesn't affect the, the strength of it. It collapses the cells, and it basically looks like honeycomb, basically. Mm. Not as, you know, honeycomb has more of a round uh, octagonal shape, but this is these are long, and it just it opens up, and your cells collapse, and you have a bunch of little looks like check marks. And, and, so you I know, know hemlocks are known for having ring shake. Is that something that's tight ring shake is caused uh that's called uh well shaky hemlock is caused from trees that are uh stressed from wind Mm. and uh, it's mostly trees that are high up on the mountains and the higher up in there if they're in a windy area you know, these heavy winds go through and the tree will twist and what it does is it separates the rings. Mm. And it's, I mean, that's only good for really pulp. You know, I've, I've had loggers bring that in you know, and they're dropping the logs off. I'm looking at the ends and I'll tell them, you can't take that with you or, you know, just leave it here and I'll, I'll, I, I burn softwood in my mill. I said, you know, I'll burn it in the mill, but I, you, you can't, there's, there's no saw in it. You could take a 12-foot log and, and you saw boards out of it, and every here and there you can get four or five-foot lengths. And the just, shake, as soon as it hits the table, it just 
falls into a bunch of little sticks. What do you see when something like that comes in? You just see a little twist on the butt? No, you see it in the end of the log. The growth rings are separated. There's spaces there. I mean, there's actually, it's so easy to spot. Yep. And you never know looking at the tree standing. You can't tell standing. And, you know, I broke many hearts when, you know, landowners, they get all excited. They're putting an underground service or something, and they cut a bunch of hemlock, and they bring it to the mill, and it's on their trail. And I'll look at the end, and I go, you know, it's shaky. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's not really, it's not worth anything. And so in these groves where they, they grow together, uh, the ones in the center probably are less prone to that, but the ones on the edge maybe get that? Well, the ones higher up on the mountain, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the edge might get it too. But, you know, there's uh, that's what causes it is because is, uh, when I studied hemlock, I did research on it. And, you know, the, the stress from the wind is what separates the growth rings. And it takes a hell of a wind, but... They said mostly up on, you know, the higher elevations that happens, you know, down the valleys. I mean, it's windy in our valleys, but, you know, they're protected by lots right. of different things. And, and that's where shaky hemlock comes from is, is the wind causes that. It's the only tree that that happens to, I guess because it's a softer wood. And, it, I mean, it doesn't happen with pine. Pine just breaks off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pine snaps. <laughs> it pine snaps. Yeah, when uh, I was in scouts, we were up to Boy Scout camp, and one spring while they were setting camp up, a, a tornado went through, leveled an area, I don't know, maybe 150 feet wide and all the way up right over the top of the mountain. And, and uh, I just, it was a very good year to be in camp. I mean, they did log it off, but you look through the woods, and the oaks and the maples, I mean, there was an oak tree. It was probably five foot in diameter, a big red oak that was, you know, up there. And it tipped over, and the root system was probably 10 feet or 12 feet high. But it, the wood was so strong that it, it uprooted it. But all the pines were broke off about three or four foot up. And the healthiest trees were saplings because they bent, and they just sprang back. So they already had, you know, uh, but it was very educational for the scouts. We They took advantage of it. And instead of being, at first they were like, everybody was devastated and hanging their heads. And But once they started seeing, you know, like two years later, black caps and blackberries or, and all these different things coming up in the forest and all these young trees that were being shaded out are now healthy and growing strong and, and they they actually started, you know, on top of the mountain where it was opened up. We were growing vegetables up there through the summer and stuff like that. So, you know, the things are taken away and then they're replaced by something else. But it's uh, I mean that's been going on for for many many you know centuries. But you know the, the hemlocks, I I really hate to see. And they they actually broke off too when that hurricane. The hemlocks and pines just snapped, but the hardwoods they uprooted, nice. unless they were compromised and and you know a little rotten or hollow. They broke off. You know those trees broke, but the ones that were healthy and solid 
But that oak, I'll never forget that. That was, uh, you know, it was back before cell phones and pictures, everything. You, I mean, there's, I mean, I, I you know, 10,000 pictures on my cell phone. I only had it for about <laughs> six, eight months. Why are you taking pictures? You got to race some. Oh, my fair, I do. I go through and, you know, every time, you know, we're on these, uh, 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 like, Six, eight people are on this one site, and you know, just you know, whatever. And you know, every picture I come to find out, you know, I'm going through my pictures on my camera, and they all load onto my camera. And so I go through and I delete them. Somebody sends me a picture of something, you know, that they saw in the woods or whatever, you know, a tree on their lawn, or, you know, tabletop that they want something done with. You know, I I realize I have to go back out and delete all those because. It just keeps keep filling up. And there's rows and rows and stuff I did like four and five months ago on like on the bottom of the screen, just scroll, 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 and then you say, "Geez, how many pictures are on here?" So hmm. you have to sit down, and take an hour, and just start deleting stuff. But anyway, the Woolly Adelgia. If you need any information on it, you know, call the Catskill Forest association and uh they will give you a guideline on how to uh you know uh it's 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 moving a little faster than i'd like to see it now because you know the first i heard about it was you know 30 35 years ago and there wasn't no concern it didn't seem to be a concern every once in a while the tree would turn yellow and got stressed so it you know and that's Basically, when it uh, it's was a, it's a stress that ends up taking the tree down more than what's attacking it, because it's uh, nothing likes being unhealthy. You know, trees, animals, humans, we we don't take it very well, and you know the it's, you know and when you know with COVID or cold or anything, it's bad enough you have the cold, but then you get stressed because of the fact that you have this cold yeah. and you can't go about your normal <clears throat> daily routine and it's it just you know the the disease is is, uh, is only half the battle and that's the stress on top of the disease is what actually ends up being the uh, the recruiter of of, of uh, taking things down so anyway we're uh, I'm hoping that you know I know our ashes aren't doing well, but uh, that's just uh, one of those things also. But, you know, they're, they're, they're coming up with hybrids and, you know, hopefully that. And what I keep thinking is, I mean, there's a lot of little ash trees that are sprouting up. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know and I talked to Ryan a, maybe a year or so ago, and he said, yeah, that if it's ash... I mean, it's fair game. They take down the little ones, but I think that <clears throat> they probably focus on the larger trees. And you know, I'm thinking once the, the ash are gone, I just hope they don't jump to another species. But uh, if if they don't, and you know, there's seeds in the ground that haven't sprouted yet, and you know, these things run out of food. When you don't get your food supply, you die. So. You know, hopefully they'll die, and then more ashes will. Because the ash trees, if you look at them, the ones that are still standing, 
last year and the year before, I think they produced more seeds than I've ever seen on ash trees before. And that's just a, like a natural, uh, and it might be that I'm going to start noticing with the hemlocks, the, the little pine cones, that, and see, you know, maybe they're, the, and they have a tiny little flower in the spring, and, you know, there's males and females, and they make those tiny little cones, and, and uh, but, you know, they were just mostly toward the top of the tree, but you would see, you know, they, they weren't covered like a, a, a maple with their seeds, and, you know, they just seemed to be heavy areas and, you know, out throughout the tree here and there. But, uh, you know, I was telling Ryan that, or John that we put a... Uh, we made gun racks with deer hooves up for camp, and instead of using mushroom buttons to cover the screw holes, we went out and we picked some of those little hemlock, uh, and we glued them in there, and they looked so cool. <laughs> Just cute little barks. But very, very small cones. They are. This tree is such a big old tree. Yep, and uh, they're delicate. And actually, hemlock is really a... It's a bold tree with a, a, a like a delicate flower on it, and even the the leaves are I call them needles, but I guess they're actually leaves that they're so beautiful they are i mean if you just cut one off and look at it and see how it's formed and 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 just it's so beautiful. I just can't get over it. And well, nature just blows me out of the water every day. But it's just the 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 way the makeup of this thing. It's it's ingenious. It's it's so awesome. But if you really you know, most people see a tree and and and. But when you really take a tree and you kind of take it apart and little by little and study the bark and and. The, cones and, the, and and everything about the tree and you become you know, like have a personal relationship and you realize man nature is so awesome it's it's more powerful than anything that we could even imagine i like camping underneath these hemlocks oh yeah hemlock the grove. smell in the grove is amazing and it's cozy yeah it's very it clean like underneath because again it's a very shade uh tolerant species very dominant so the understory and those little uh, needles aren't sharp yeah they're very they're they're very it's uh, a great soft. place to camp yeah and underneath a white pine too is a good place to camp because they have uh, their needles are are really soft but the hemlocks they don't stick you like the spruce camping under a spruce probably not a good idea <laughs> the hemlock's not going to drop a lot of sap on you either nope now the on a hot day the the white pines will, but I think the the most sap or pitch in a in a, any pine tree in these mountains is a Scotch pine, and when I started sawing and and I used some of that, I probably first log as I got in was maybe thirty five years ago, and you know I have some pieces in the gallery made out of that, and when I kiln dried it there were pools and puddles underneath the, you know, on the floor, and then, you know, every row up through, there are just puddles from the one above it, you know, in the eight and ten quarter I dried of, of this pitch that, you know, bled out of it, 
So whenever I use it on an arc project, I threw a, a wet rag on and the knots and the, you can see it in it, it's highly concentrated in the, the and actually white pine too, it has an orange kind of a look to it. Well, and then take a torch and just heat it and, and, and blow it out more. That, what that's called, folks, is crystallizing the pitch. So if you're uh, in the kiln, we crystallize the pitch in pine at about 165. And that means if that board or lumber won't turn into a liquid until it gets above 165 degrees. And if you have a pine table or bench in your house and it's over 165 degrees, you're not going to worry about pitch coming out of your house as <laughs> a board. You're you want to be leaving your house. <laughs> yeah. So it is very hot. and uh, But, you know, the it's like in, in the kiln when it's 165 and the lumber is dry and you just, you can go in there and it's actually, it's more comfortable than being in the kiln when it's 130 and very moist because you go in there and, and you can, your face stings and, and just the, the high humidity, I mean, it, it just, it gets you. You can't stay in there too long. It's hard to breathe and forget about glasses. Hmm. But if it's 160 degrees in there, you can, your glasses don't fog over, and you know, it's an arid heat, and it's different than than that you know, really moist heat that'll drive right through. But I always thought about you know, like organic soap. Uh, you know, maybe spraying. I don't know if anybody experiments with that on like these trees and these different bugs, and you know, because I I. I I just don't know. I mean, there's a lot of experimenting going on. They probably have, but, you know, I'd like to, you know, put the word into people that are, you know, like, maybe we could just try this organic soap. Maybe that would, you know, absorb into the bark and do better than the chemical. But yeah, they do do insecticidal soaps for some things. Well, I've never heard of anything for hemlock woolly adelgid, but it's uh, something that, You'd want to spray uh, on the hemlock when the adelgid is moving to a new position to, to lay. So I have to go eggs when it's yeah. on the move. So how does this woolly adelgid spread anyway? Does that spread through a, a, actually a, a worm or something well, that slithers? Well, it's got wings, so it, it does oh, travel, it does but have not wings. too far as far as I understand. Because I've never seen one. Right. But I've always seen the devastation that they do. Well, they're so small. I mean, they're the size of a, smaller than the tip of a pencil. The um, way the patterns they've seen, their range expanding, they assume uh, birds have been... Uh, uh, eating them. Uh, or just uh, uh, carrying them as a vector. Oh. Yeah. Uh, wind, wind-borne as well, their cottony masses. Yeah. Huh. So they're like a cotton ball-looking thing. Yeah, people want to, if you look at your hemlocks, you'll see these cottony masses on the twigs. On the underside of the needles. This, this time the, of year is a great is that, time to look. Is that the larvae or is that the actual uh, winged bug? That That's the stage of the insect where it's kind of uh, shed its wings and it's just primarily just feeding <laughs> on the tree. And it's exuding this cottony mass to protect itself from predators and also to protect its eggs from desiccating. Oh, yeah. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I'm wondering if you just sprayed soap on them or. Well, sometimes if you sm if you see a little infection on your twigs and it's not over most of the tree, all you can do is just uh, prune that twig out. Right, that'd be the easiest thing, rather Burn. than just investing in a um, yeah. spray for that tree then and there. You just Burn prune it. it out. Burn it or pee on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, Gary. <laughs> well, this was another episode of From the Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. on WIOX 91.3 FM. And every third Wednesday, we talk with Gary Mead. And unfortunately, Gary, that's all the time we got. All right. Well, peace, everybody. And come see my gallery sometime. I have some beautiful new pieces down there that are very uh, integrated. And I keep practicing. And I think I'm getting a little bit better as I go. So. You could be the judge of that. Come see me. Peace, everybody. All right. Good night, everyone. The water seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow. His eyes were red, his hopes were dead, and the wine was running low. Then the old man came home from the forest. His tears fell on the sidewalk as he stumbled in the street. A dozen faces stopped to stare, but no one stopped to speak. For his castle was a hallway, and the bottle was his friend. And the old man stumbled in from the forest. Up a dark and dingy staircase, the old man way his ragged coat around him as upon his cot he lay and he wondered how it happened that he'd ended up this way getting lost like a fool in the forest and as he lay there sleeping a vision did appear Upon his mantle shining the face of one so dear Who'd loved him in the springtime of a long forgotten year When the wildflowers did bloom in the forest She touched his grizzled fingers and she called him by his name and then he heard the joyful sound of children at their games In an old house on a hillside in some forgotten town Where the river runs down from the forest Never sleeps And to an old forgotten soldier 